Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based on the west side of Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictive compulsive behaviors. Welcome to my podcast, named after my recent book, It's Not About the Sex. Here we have honest conversations related to compulsive sexual behavior and trauma, all from a sexual health perspective. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints and practical strategies toward establishing greater intimacy and a more deeply connected life. Let's begin. Welcome back, Sue. Hey, welcome back, Andrew. It feels like we haven't done this in ages, but it's only been about two months or so, right? Yeah, but I've been counting the days. <laughs> I've been counting the minutes. <laughs> Down to the minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the seconds if you want to go go there. But but for those who don't know, we've been on hiatus this summer. We took two months away from the podcast. And I just wanted to catch up a little bit. I mean, it's been quite a summer. Um, Sue finished her coursework and her hours towards her KDAC at UCLA, which is one of the best programs in all of California. Woo-hoo. And for those of you don't, for those who don't know what, what KDAC stands for, can you uh, fill people in? Oh, sure. So it's a certification of alcohol. No, a <laughs> You Something just asked like me that. because you don't even know. It's a exactly alcohol and drug counselor. It's an alcohol and drug counselor program, right? Sure, sure. I always think it's addiction, but it's not. But yeah, it is. I mean, it is and it isn't, right? Yeah. I was just reading a little bit, and I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, but. Gabor Mate's uh, book. Um, And he said something really great in the introduction. He said, it's not why the addiction, it's why the pain, right? As an intake, right, exactly. And I thought that was just a a great reminder, uh, really what this podcast is about, what my book is about, and why we do this work, right? It's, It's getting directly underneath the behaviors. Exactly. Yeah. And I just introduced him to a group of adolescents that I facilitate once a week, and they loved hearing his, his um, theories around what it means about addiction and trauma yeah. and, and all those things. So I was so happy they, they welcomed him. That's our, amazing that you're, you're introducing it because we didn't have that information 25 years ago and it's so refreshing and has such um, implications for, for ongoing treatment and, and research and, and everything that, that we can learn about addictions and trauma. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I, I can rewatch what he says all the time. I mean, I get yeah. so much from that. So yeah. it's nice to have some um, things to fall back on that really like speak to my core. So I really, I appreciate it. I think you turned him on to me. So um, I'm just passing it along and yeah, uh, great stuff. Uh-huh. So there is a reason why we took two months off um, this hiatus and I'll get to that in, in a moment. Um, but why don't you talk a little bit about the title of today's episode? Yeah, so I'm curious about that. So why is the title called Five Years Later? Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, it turns out that five years ago, I was editing my book. And today, 
on the episode today. I, I have a really big announcement. I, I just finished editing the companion workbook to wow. It's Not About the Sex. Oh, so wonderful. in other words, the original book was released in, in June of 2019, and the workbook is actually scheduled for release in spring of 2024. So approximately five years apart, the editing process was approximately five years apart. So I thought we would call today's episode five years later. <laughs> and really the idea that came to me about this, this discussion is that so much has happened for me, for you, for the field in the last five years, that I just want to talk a little bit about what has shifted. We all know that we have gone through the pandemic. It's not actually over, over, but we're not six foot distancing. We're not wearing masks, generally speaking. And, and I think for me and for many people, it's, it's been kind of a time warp right? It's been very exactly. distorted. But I thought that we would talk a little bit about the lessons that, that we've learned since 2019. And of course, it's not going to be um, an exhaustive discussion about all of the lessons, but to just take a retrospective look at, at what's been important to us both personally and professionally. So when you wrote the book, It's Not About the Sex, also the name of this podcast, um, <laughs> the subtitle on the book was Moving from Isolation to Intimacy After Sexual Addiction. Right. And I understand the title of the workbook is the same, but as we all know, if you are listeners to this podcast, that it was appropriate for you to change the subtitle to Moving from Isolation to Intimacy After Sexual compulsivity. So why don't we talk a little bit more about what prompted that change? Sure. It actually goes back to the original publisher. Now, my original publisher was Central Recovery Press in Las Vegas, and I really want to um, make a shout out to them because they gave me a chance to write the book, and I was a first-time um, author. I had self-published a workbook uh, before that, but they really took a chance on me. They thought the topic was really, really important. And, um, and the rest is history, of course. But at the time I asked them, I said, what if we change the title to sexual compulsivity, moving from isolation to intimacy after sexual compulsivity? And for whatever reason, they felt that sexual addiction was really the term that has been more mainstream and has been really captured and, and um, expanded through the years. Now, I went along with that because I was a first-time author and I, I wanted to do what they felt was the right thing uh, for marketing, basically. Now, on the podcast, on, in our episodes, we, we've talked quite a bit about the difference, right? And I'm not going to go into too much detail, but what I want to say is that personally, I have really leaned much more towards a sexual health perspective. I've really tried to minimize any medical model or pathologizing, pathologizing language of any kind. Um, because, you know, with addictive compulsive behavior in general, shame is such a core element. Shame is so palpable. And, and shame resiliency is also a really big part of the healing process. So I don't ever want to perpetuate shame in any way. And as you know, I believe wholeheartedly in 12-step. I've been in 12-step myself since 1994. And, and yet, because of the origins of 12-step, it does 
use words like disease. It does use um, medical model terms like illness and sickness. And, and I don't use those terms anymore. I haven't used those terms in many years, actually. Again, because in the way I see it, our brain is listening. And the more our brain listens to that kind of language, the more it can pathologize and, and shame. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's just a little bit about why I wanted to shift it to sexual compulsivity. And, uh, so far my new publisher Rutledge press, um, out of New York has been really open to that. And we'll see where we're going into production soon and we're going into post editing and all of that. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that the, t- the subtitle will be uh, moving from isolation to intimacy after sexual compulsivity, which I'm really pleased about because it really is much more in alignment with what I believe. So are you going to talk about that change at all in the workbook? Just curious. In the introduction. In the intro. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to lead with it because people might wonder, right? People might ask what, what happened here? Why did you go from sexual addiction to sexual compulsivity? And you know, it's funny, I've never really um, identified with the idea of being a so-called sex addict. When I introduce myself in meetings currently, what I say is I'm Andrew and I'm recovering in this program. Mm-hmm. That's that's my languaging. So um, again, I just want my brain to listen to the healing uh, words. Yeah. 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 So I, I understand you also included some personal stories along with the um, composite case studies this in this edition. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been an interesting and a little bit scary kind of process for me because in the first book, in the original book, I, I did put together a lot of composite case studies. And I put a lot of time and effort into putting together stories that really um, illuminated the different uh, chapters, the different themes, et cetera. So some of the feedback I've gotten in, in these five years is that people wanted either more from me to understand more about my journey, or they were interested in, you know, how I got here and how my story influences how I come up with what I write about. Mm-hmm. You know, I, as you know, Sue, I, I don't come from an academic background per se. I mean, I went to graduate school, but I'm not an academic. I'm not a researcher. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my work is really from uh, experiential, anecdotal, um, clinical work, of course, and being in the 12-step rooms all these years. So it's more about where I've been both in my office and in the rooms that has influenced what I write about. And originally going back five years ago, originally I came up with the chapters based on what I felt could use more attention for people to talk about, for people to heal. And, and that's really how I broke down the, the original book. And so the workbook of course has a lot of action steps and um, has some composite case studies mixed in. But each chapter begins with a personal story, which, which, which is absolutely um, accurate to my own life. I, I, I felt I needed to be direct and honest and transparent with 
what I was bringing to each chapter and how it supports each each chapter. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Amazing. So do you think I'm a little scared? I have to say. I think a little bit. What it does is um, well, the transparency is there, but it it helps people connect better, I think. You know, I find that in groups they really are curious about what they're connecting with me, you know, like what is the common thread here? Or, or, or so I think that that connection, like we talk about all the time, connection is so important in this, and and that's yeah. what you're doing. You're you're drawing the the connections. That's my my intent, and mm-hmm. the reason why I think it's a little scary is when I was in grad school, we were told as social workers, as therapists, to disclose very very little right right we were told to have very tight boundaries and it wasn't something that was encouraged Mm -hmm. now it's been 32 years and i've learned that selective disclosure can be super helpful Mm -hmm. right but i never want to step on any toes and i think that's why this is a little different for me to put myself out there in a way that's a bit more than I'm used to. So it's a little bit um, exposing in a way, exactly. but, but in a good way, hopefully. Yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you're doing that, honestly. Thank you. Um, so do you think like the pandemic had the P word again, do you think the pandemic had anything to do with the, your choice to include personal stories? You know, it's, it's interesting because Part of the experience of the pandemic for me was soul searching, for sure, was creativity and trying to figure out how do I create connection in my life, even if I can't be with certain loved ones or, you know, having to visit with a mask and that kind of thing. And, and so the answer is yes. I, I think the pandemic, um, in a way, it cultivated the introvert in me. I think I'm very balanced introvert, extrovert. I, I come across oftentimes as an extrovert, but I definitely have an introverted side. And the introverted part of me really was able to ask some big questions. And one of the questions was, how much do I want to share? Mm-hmm. Right? Because I was writing some of the book during the pandemic. And um, and so it, it really became one of those ideas that I wanted to not only think about and, and, you know, try and listen to my internal rhythm, uh, with, but, but that I would hopefully come up with a direction that was really in alignment with the mission of the book and my own personal mission. So yeah, the, the other thing that I, I, I wanted to mention, and this is really important because this is a big shout out. Um, we, we've already had Doug Braun Harvey on, on the podcast, and I hope at some point we'll have Michael Vigorito. And they're, they're the authors of the book, Treating Out of Control Sexual Behavior, Rethinking Sexual Addiction. And it's like a Bible. It's a big researched, academic, and clinically sound book that I sat with during the pandemic. It was, mm-hmm. it was not something easy for me to read, but I was determined. And it was really an awakening 
of sorts, you know, because it helped me look at myself, my own healing and my clients and readers mm-hmm. um, with, with fresh eyes. Um, Doug and Michael are, are really um, not only talented people, but they're very grounded, loving people. And because they focus solely on a sexual health perspective, it really helped me solidify um, how my ideas overlap with, with theirs. Right. Nice. So it was very inspiring for me. And then, you know, the, the pandemic really gave me the time and focus to, to read it and ultimately savor it. Yeah. I mean, it was a great time to, to do that, to take an inward look and, and, ha- and see what's aligning with what you're, what you're putting out and what's going with, what you want to put forward, you know, we were exactly. in a, we we're in a time where we didn't even know what forward was. We, it was unknown, uncharted. Yeah. Um, feeling of like sailing without a rudder almost. So yeah. Yeah. That you had that to help guide you a little bit. It did. It, it really allowed me to, to ask some important questions about how I look at this type of healing. And, you know, they have a whole model around the term out of control sexual behavior. That's really their thing, OCSB. Oh, okay. And yeah, and, and it's really quite brilliant what they've done. And they, they, they did groups down in um, the San Diego area for, I want to say about 20 years together. Um, and so there, it's just really great. I would say it's more so for for clinicians, but if, if somebody is really feeling, um, ambitious and wants to, to read uh, a book that, that has a lot of, uh, depth and quality, um, I, I do recommend it. So lots of lessons learned for sure. For sure. Yeah. I totally can relate to that. I mean, I was in the UCLA program during the pandemic, which was interesting because they kept trying to bring us back on campus and then trying to do it on zoom um was was an interesting way to learn i'm glad that we did have the option to go into onto campus it was very strict and regimented the way they had us do that but um Mm. it was it was great to be able to share space with people and during that time i also signed up for and completed a course in in how to be a happiness coach and that was just something i wanted to do during Mm -hmm. this time that it wasn't really happy um so i have that um training and i draw on that a lot during and can kind of combine some of those lessons with when i do my group facilitating um projects yeah i mean in a way i i believe that that all coaching is ultimately about happiness and contentment and wellness and well-being and um finding balance and 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 gratitude and, and, you know, all of those things that sometimes in therapy, we, we, we don't always get to the depth of what it takes to really savor those things. So, you know, I think happiness coaching and coaching in general, is just so, so valuable. Yeah. I enjoy that a lot. And just the whole neuroscience behind how the brain works and it's right. so intriguing to me and I'm not a researcher either, but I yeah. eat up all of those, those papers that UCLA puts out in their neuroscience. I wish, 
I wish I, I wish I could go back and do some more neuroscience. Uh, yeah. Trainings, well, but it's, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's expanding. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure and positive psychology is, is, as we talked about on another episode is, is, is really the research branch of coaching. Right. They go hand in hand. So I, I see a little neuroscience in your future. <laughs> you got a crystal ball there. That's right. That's right. So let me go back to, again, this idea of five years later, because I, I've been doing a lot of sort of nostalgic uh, thinking about this. And so much has happened since, since I wrote the book. You know, we, we started this podcast together. I mean, that's right. been huge. We're, I think we're, we're close to 95 episodes, which wow. is wild. Yeah. yeah. We're approaching 100. Oh, boy. I know. We'll have to have a party for we'll sure. A podcast party. <laughs> it's, that's right. That's right. Um, your son, um, Mikey, has been really diligent about putting out posts on social media. And and so we, the three of us have really established a rhythm mm-hmm. in, in, in making that happen, which will begin again in September. And um, I moved offices. My my landlord took over my space, and um, we parted ways amicably. And I found a wonderful space in Santa Monica, which I'm really grateful for. Uh, my dog Bowie, who you know very well, he comes to the office every morning with me. So he's kind of turned into this therapy dog without any training. He's been incredible. He greets every every uh, client, and then he goes to his bed. And that's he could it. write the book. Exactly. For sure. <laughs> that's for sure. But most of all, you know, I'm, I'm just really, really excited to, to bring more of me into this workbook project. I, it does feel right to me. And I didn't want to write a dry workbook. That was not my intention. And I believe like I've, I've learned about myself. I've, I've learned through uh, the readers and the listeners um, and so I, I wanted to, to try something different to infuse the workbook with my real life stories and some composite stories of, of my clients. Nice. You sound very hopeful. I, I am feeling hopeful. I, I just finished the editing August 1st wow. and, um, had a fantastic editor. And so I, I feel lighter for sure, because mm. it's, it's been a long haul. I actually wanted to originally go with my, my first publisher and because of various delays, they couldn't even give me an answer until next year. Wow. And, and this publisher Rutledge uh, was able to uh, give me a, a, an estimate, uh, a release date of, of spring 2024. But I want to say something to the listeners because I, I have such gratitude that People actually tell me things that I've said or, or things that we've talked about. And, and so sometimes we don't always know when we're doing these episodes, who's listening and how it's impacting people. So I just want to express my gratitude for all of our listeners who've been part of these last several years. Mm. And, and I really look forward to the next few years, you know, being you know, full of, of love and gratitude and hopefully ease and fun and play, uh, which are my personal intentions. And, and I, I wish these for all of our listeners. I wish these for you, Sue. 
Oh, thanks, Andrew. No, I, I know it's hard to know who's listening. You know, I mean, you get feedback once in a while, I'll run into somebody in our circles that will be like, Oh, you're Sue from the Andrew podcast. And I feel like a superstar in like, five minutes. It's pretty funny. But um, yeah, it's great that we have you know, the, the people who are just looking forward to our episodes every week. And I love yeah. working with you and obviously with Mikey. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, this, this feels like a great place for us to wind down. But I really want to say again, Sue, that you've made this podcast possible. Oh. You, you nudged me along. You said, yeah, we can do this. And I didn't exactly know what that meant at the time. And so as my counterpart, as my podcast producer, as my, I, don't, I was going to say old friend, but how about seasoned friend? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I'm glad been... that you took the, that you, we did it and that you, you yeah. took the chance to do it. So it's been a lot of fun. I really yeah. miss when we're not doing it. But yeah. It. So we'll have fun rolling out some more podcast this fall and beyond. And um, again, I, I just am very, very grateful and, and hopeful and feel very optimistic about what the future holds for all of us. Oh, those are great. Thank you, Andrew. I'm looking sure. forward to, to all of it and, and getting that book in my hands. It's going to be great. <laughs> great. And I know I'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>